Welcome to the Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand, a podcast for leading financial professionals or rainmakers and their teams that offer support for securing a successful future. From marketing help to staffing structure, listen and subscribe for actionable insights from advisors and skilled professionals alike. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday to all of you. It's great to see so many familiar smiling faces on a Thursday morning. Very excited about today's topic, which, you know, we have two uh, guest briefs here with us, and I'll introduce them in a minute. Uh, but I think we all know just how important marketing is to, to our practice, right? It, it, it's crucial. It's the lifeblood, if you will, of a financial practice or financial advisory firm. Um, and, and really, the, the, you know, everyone knows that. But the challenge, of course, is how do we do, uh, you know, all the marketing we need to do? How do we acquire on-profile, on-brand clients, uh, but do so in a way that is compliant? So representing our compliance team, we have Dustin Honest. Did I get it right? You got it. Awesome. And, and representing the marketing side of our team, we have Erica Rivera. So Dustin, Erica, welcome to both of you. Great to have you this morning. Again, you might hear that the standard refrain from, from Dustin that you need to check with your compliance department if you're not a PCA advisor, uh, but we, we did, certainly will try to unpack as much as we can here this morning. Um, so let's get started, Dustin, Erica. Um, so, you know, obviously, again, ensuring you can market, grow your practice, but do so in a compliant fashion is, is the critical topic for today. So, Dustin, I'll, I'll kind of kick it off with you. How do you think advisors uh, can maintain a compliance-friendly yet engaging social media or online presence? Well, I think it all kind of starts in the planning phase, right? And developing a really good plan and communicating that plan to the marketing, you know, experts that you've got around you. And then your compliance team that you're working with, right? Like say, hey, this is what I'm planning on doing. If it's a video, you know, there's going to be scripts involved. There's going to be some graphics and things like that. All that stuff needs to be looked at and pre-approved before it goes live. So the more you can kind of plan the stuff out, the more you can kind of foresee some challenges that might be ahead, the more you can kind of do your homework, cite, get some sources if you need to cite some sources and, you know, plan the work and work your plan. Eric, kind of, kind of on the back end to you, I mean, obviously you, you are our social media coordinator. What what are you what are you seeing from an engaging topic standpoint? What what is really getting those those clicks, those likes, those those interactions that you're looking for, especially from a, a social media or online presence? Yeah, online, you know, what's really hot right now is UGC. So that's user generated content. So when you promote UGC, which in our world would be something like a poll or a video that you end with saying, sound off in the comments getting your following to engage with you in the comments and like and share and then share amongst themselves where they all comment on their own pages is really big. So that's what's really hot right now. And I think that's something that, you know, even C2P can work on because I think that's something that just is easy to get a lot of comments on. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Erica, on, you know, I, I know there's kind of a, a debate out there because, you know, obviously the virtual world allows, you know, us to do kind of, kind of either, either, uh, what we'd call evergreen or 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 you know topical content where where you know we can record something and replay it over and over again or or record it live every single time. Do, do you see a, a difference? Do you guys have a preference? What what do you see is kind of the best? Is, you know, obviously there's an appeal to being like, hey, I can record this one time and now play it 50 times. It's already been through compliance, so it stays compliant. You know, what what do you think is is kind of better or is there is it not a one size fits all approach? You know, I hate to say to to ride the fence, but it is not a one size fits all approach. But on airing of the side of caution, because we do have to go through compliance, um, 
I think evergreen content is amazing only because it can be reused. So if let's say you have a 15 minute video and you already have that on YouTube and you're promoting it, you can also throw it into Opus, which is a program that we use and have it split up into 15 second reels. And then you can make them into stories and then you can reuse that content. Yes, it's evergreen, but it is still new, fresh content. And then when it comes to topical content, I think that's where we save those moments for things that are happening right now. So recently we announced, I believe it was tax changes in our blogs. So that's topical content. We got that blog out. We put it out on social. That's not something that's going to be evergreen. We may want to share the blog again, but that's, you know, that's just a hot button topic. One other thing I can definitely recommend, and I feel like I've said it before with Dustin, you know, keeping an open line of communication with your compliance team, always ask questions. You know, they always have an open door policy and I'm thankful for Dustin for that. (laughs) So make sure you're always communicating with them. Justin, obviously there was a lot of changes with the SEC marketing rule. I, I, you know, we've talked about that uh, many times now, um, but it, it's been, a, you know, it's been, uh, when, when did that come in? About a, it was about a year, not quite a year yet, right? Or about a year now, right? It was a little over a year, yeah. Yeah, so the year in, let's call it that. What are you seeing are, are maybe the biggest things that have changed? You know, maybe some opportunities that advisors maybe aren't leveraging maybe as much as they could with some of these new rules, because I think a lot of us kind of get stuck in like, hey, we've always done things a certain way, especially under an old rule set. What, what are some things that maybe are, are different now that, that should be leveraged or aren't being leveraged or, or certainly some things from a compliance standpoint, you're like, hey, you know, there's some opportunities here that, that I, I think more advisors could take advantage of. Yeah, client feedback is probably the biggest one. And I know Matt Seitz talks about that a lot, but testimonials, right? Using your client's words to, to help promote your own business. The thing, there are some things to be careful with that though, right? Like if you send out a customer survey asking you to rank one to 10, then you're also opening yourself up to complaints too, right? So working with your compliance department to kind of craft, craft a good question you know, to ask them in order to get the right testimonial responses that you want. Also kind of picking your favorite customers that you know are going to say stuff, people who might be well-spoken, things like that. So kind of cherry picking your opportunities to, to use good client interactions to move forward. And yeah, and then also I saw uh, Jim in there mentioned something about comments and, and interactions with that too, right? Yes, now under the new SEC marketing rule, you are, you know, we are allowed to interact with our customers via comments, likes and shares and things like that. The only thing is, is all that stuff kind of falls back on an endorsement from you. So if you comment, like, or share something, that means that you as the advisor are endorsing that. So that in turn becomes an ad from you, which all needs pre-approval and things like that. So are you welcome to do that? Sure. But it involves a whole ball of wax uh, that I'm welcome to kind of go down that road with individual people if they want to talk about it. But pre-approval is the key for everything with us. And, and I would assume that also kind of opens up Pandora's box a little bit. If you don't, you know, if you don't control all those comments, like you, like you said, you're going to get some some negatives and, and positives in there potentially, right? So, so you correct. Said, I, I think the key thing you said was you kind of want to cherry pick some of that too, but yeah. but you got to do so within a compliant fashion. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. You know, YouTube is kind of this wild west in terms of commenting and bots and all that stuff. So we in our our firm policy is no commenting on YouTube just because it's so hard to police that other forums were kind of open to that and, and seeing kind of what people come up with. But for now, YouTube is, is a little too wonky for us to touch. I'll just share real quick for anybody on the call that has not embraced testimonials yet. Like you need to set it as a first quarter priority and redo your website. I mean, if you go to my website, allisonwealth.com, we restructured it all. We have a rolling screen of testimonials, read what our clients are saying. We asked some of our most prominent and successful clients who to, to give us testimonials. 
You know, we don't have their last name on there, but we do have what their position, title, and company was. So when you go and scroll through, you see like, you know, these people that you know are are quite successful and what they're saying about us and what and how we're helping them. And like the reality of it is, I mean, that's what drives consumer behavior these days. It's it's trust and it's credibility and like if your website isn't up to par with a lot of these new marketing opportunities, I think you're missing the boat. Fantastic, Dave. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's- and uh, to kind of dovetail off of both Erica and Dave, I mean, that's that's evergreen content right there. You know, those testimonials, you can keep using those and repurposing them, adding them to different pieces of marketing material, things like that. The one last thing that I will touch on for testimonials is each of them needs to be pre-approved and they all get their own disclosure, unique disclosure. So just make sure that you send them over to us and uh, just to make sure that, I know we've got a little checklist too, that we send along to our advisors to make sure that we're checking all the boxes. What about paid testimonials, Dustin? What, What are the rules around paid testimonials? They're allowed. There's a few more little things that we got to look out for there. We're going to take that maybe on a case-by-case basis. And I would probably bring in Ryan, my my good buddy here to help me out on that. But yeah, short answer is it's allowed. Long answer is it's complicated. I keep trying to pay Elon Musk to say I'm the best financial advisor in the world, but it's not working. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if you can afford that bill, Dave. Like that, that might be happy Miss, one. We, we do allow for paid testimonials under $1,000. It is included in the disclosures if you do pay for it, but under a thousand, we do allow for it over a thousand. It kicks into a different level of the SEC uh, marketing rule that makes it a little more complicated, but we do allow for under a thousand. Dave, I'm in for a thousand. Just connect with the camera. <laughs> I got to pay you a thousand or you're going to pay me a thousand. Maybe we'll bounce back and forth. You're going to each do it, you know, each, each, each pay each other. All right, Eric, I'd like to kick it back over to you. I think I think that was perfect. Thanks, Dave, for, for sharing on the testimonials. But, you know, is there a, a certain time of day, certain day of the week, certain, you know, strategy, if you will, in terms of when to get maybe the most interaction, uh, especially on like a social media, you know, forum, or, or even if you're doing a webinar or doing, uh, you know, any kind of virtual presentation, is there, you know, kind of a, a best practices, if you will, for, for when to, to put out content? Yes, definitely. So the best practice standard for um, being able to post on social is, first of all, by prepping. So you want to study your followers' behaviors. Um, With C2P, most of our followers, if not all, are advisors. So we have to keep in mind what the schedule is for our advisors. Probably the office will be open from eight to five. So we kind of want to avoid, you know, posting immediately at eight o'clock in the morning because they're probably getting ready for the day. They're probably setting up um, their meetings with their clients, this, that, and the third. So what you want to do on C2P side with this is all B2C, um, and I'll get into B2B in just a moment. We would want to, you know, post something really early in the morning, not something that's super heavy, like a like a blog to read, but maybe like a podcast. When we post our podcast early in the morning, that opens the door to opportunity for our clients or our advisors, I should say, to be able to listen to that podcast, let's say on their morning commute. And then when you get into the midday section around maybe let's say noon to two, you want to post something that may be a little heavier in content, which is like a blog. So when they're, let's say on their lunch break or having some coffee, they can read something that has to do with what we're promoting. And then later on in the day, I tend to experiment. So I may post something around 4.30, like another podcast to let's open the door for their evening commute or later on in the evening, post something that's a little lighter on content. So if they're laying in bed and they're scrolling through, they can digest something right before bed and then think about C2P hopefully when they wake up. 
As for B2B, for our clients, I know on the agency side, we've just started doing a lot of work for this, which is really exciting. Basically, we're, we have to study the, their clients' behaviors, and that's something very new. So we have to keep in mind, you know, let's say the stay-at-home mom or someone that's in college trying to save for retirement. You know, we have to think of all of these different cycles that they could be in and maybe sprinkle throughout the day posts that may be light, maybe heavy and not go by what the B2C, the B2B standard is and go by a B2C standard. So with that being said, it's very, you know, technical. You have to know what your clients are doing at the time. But what's good is that social media recently has been showing you, hey, your clients are actually active at, let's say, two o'clock. You may want to post at this time. So if you don't see that on Facebook, I would uh, recommend contacting like a meta representative. They're free and available to everyone. They're in your settings. Check it out. And that's for Facebook, Instagram. And I know also when you post through LinkedIn scheduler, it definitely tells you the time that your followers are active as well. So I hear, you know, your audience, which again, I think always goes back to, to that's the, the key in all of this is know your audience and then experimentation. You might have to experiment with, with when people are engaging the most with, with content. Uh, again, like you said, if you're working with a lot of pre-retirees, maybe it's still working, probably work during the workday, maybe at a lunchtime, you might get some interaction, but sounds like mostly probably early morning or, or evening. Uh, if you have more retirees that, that might flip completely to more during the day. So exactly. Uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of know your audience in that. You know, Dave, I know you just re redesigned your website. I've looked at a lot of your websites. So, so let's talk about something a little bit different. What about how do, how do advisors incorporate maybe some eye-catching visuals, multimedia elements? Uh, I'm going to be candid. Some of your websites could probably use some help. So, you know, what, what are some things that people can do to, to maybe, you know, getting people to your website, then you got to kind of caption, you know, get them to stay, so to speak, right? Get them to get engaged. What are, what are some things that, that you could recommend there, Erica? So I actually just had a meeting with Meta about this about a month ago. And what my representative told us was that we had a, a campaign that worked really well that, you know, was very eye-catching because the colors contrasted. And what she mentioned was the contrast of colors is what brings the eye into the image on the graphic. And then making sure you have captivating ad copy to supplement that because you reel them in with the captivating image and then you have a short yet sweet and informational copy that goes with what you're advertising. Making sure that all of those work together is all part of the planning process. So make sure you're speaking with your graphic designer or your marketing person and then having that approved by compliance. And then maybe you can even, now this is a service that Meta provides to different clients. So check with your Meta representative and see, hey, would this rank higher or lower on my campaign? It's a service that only some people get. I'm not sure that everyone can get it, but it's definitely a recommendation that I would make. Dave, I know you went through a website overhaul and any, any other advice that you have as you kind of, you know, kind of walk through this process working with through, through our marketing agency here at C2P. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things. I, I think the first thing, and I, I think I, I talked about this at the retreat in Orlando a little bit is like, look at your own website and put your in the, put yourself in the perspective of a higher net worth investor. Like, are you hiring yourself? Like if the answer is no, you got some work to do, but like little simple things logistically, I learned this from my dad who ran a big marketing agency is, you know, on a website, there's what's called above the fold and below the fold, right? Think about if you go to a website right now, above the fold is what you see as soon as you hit that website. And I found far too often, especially in the financial services industry with a lot of these website providers like 20 over 10 and FMG, who I, I we use FMG for ours, is like they put a stock hero image that takes up the whole real estate above the fold. And sometimes you want just enough above the fold to make somebody continue to scroll down. So like 
for our website at Allison Wealth, when we worked with the C2P marketing team to redesign it, we actually paid a little extra for some customization. And I'll just screen share. I think you can see this right now. But like traditionally, if this was a normal website, the above the fold would stop where that blue meets the black. But what I had them do was customize it so that I brought that black up a little higher to what I would call above the fold where the accolades start. Because normally if somebody went to the screen, they wouldn't see the accolades we've achieved at Allison Wealth right out of the gate. And so what this does is it lifts that image up a little bit above the fold and it motivates somebody to continue to just scroll down a little bit. Because most people, when they hit your website, they bounce off. Whatever they hit and they land on doesn't appeal to them and they just leave. Well, this kind of encourages them to continue to scroll down a little bit. And a couple other things is like, number one, you have to have a call to action right at the top. You know, ours is less, let's talk. Somebody clicks on this, it takes them right to a fit call on Calendly. I get about one to probably one to two fit calls a week. I know these people find me on Google. I just did one last night. And it's purely just because they come here and they click let's talk and they schedule it. Then what you can see is, of course, a little bit of you know how we're different, what our services are, who the three types of clients are that we work with. And again, for this client last night, he's at NVIDIA. He's got a bunch of company stock. He clicked on affluent clients with stock options. And again, above the fold here, some imagery on Let's Chat. And so like you have to be doing a big audit on your website. Is, is it speaking to the right people? Do you have a very simple, you know, compelling call to action that makes it easy for them to be able to book those fit calls with you? Of course, if somebody takes the time to scroll down, we do talk a little bit about, you know, really kind of how we differentiate ourselves and how we work with people like that. We also give them a way where they can just submit a question to us if they want to. And so like, I think there's just so much into how you design your website. And, you know, again, something that I picked up from my dad when he was, you know, doing the, his marketing agency work is like, is your website a brochure website or is it a lead generation website? Like, I don't want a brochure website. I want a lead generation website, something that is bringing people in with powerful calls to actions to, to book an introductory call with me. And so, yeah, this is where I'd say 75% of our business comes from at Allison Wealth is just people booking. So I think those are just a couple things that, you know, I know when we went through our big overhaul and working with, you know, Matt and, and everybody else at the C2P marketing team, like, you know, they helped me design a lot of this, but like, this was all in my head because these, this is the niche and the clientele and the expertise and how we differentiate ourselves. And so it's it's just been really you know, kind of helpful to bring that all together. But I think, again, no matter what page on the site you click on, the first thing that you're going to have is just a little statement of how we're different and a let's chat. Doesn't matter if it's the who we serve, the holistic wealth management, tying in the five pillars. You know, the only thing that, you know, exists outside of that is, you know, when we set up our different locations of where we work with clients. But again, right there, schedule a call. And so, Again, audit your website and kind of how you have it designed and 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 what it looks like. So, Caleb, hopefully that helps. No, I helped tremendously, and it looks awesome. 
So it's really impressive. So Dustin, obviously the back end of, of the website is the compliance side of it. You know, Dave obviously mentioned FNG. You know, what what can you speak a little bit to why we do want to use usually a, a service that connects directly to compliance and kind of kind of what the process looks like on your end for for website and, and you know the re- website review process. The first thing I came that came to mind was yeah, use a use a provider like FMG or Twenty Hour Ten or Advisor websites because here's what happens then is is uh, once we click approve, it goes live. You know, and then everything kind of stays within the system. There's no miscommunication there. You know, some compliance departments do have the capability to edit websites for them to apply edits. If you want your compliance department to do that, I don't do that. Our compliance department doesn't do that. We want you guys to have full control over what you got going on. But there's like a lot of really good opportunities for that. Now, here's something else that is part of it, right? So you've got the graphic design part of your website, how it looks, and then you've got the content, the, the words and stuff like that, right? So those are probably two different people or two different components that you're going to be working on separately. So once you get your words all hammered out and your script all hammered out, send that over to compliance so they can approve all the words first, you know, so that if there is any like changes that need to be made, it can be made as soon as possible and you're not waiting waiting on that end to be uh, a hang up. Perfect. Erica, any, anything else on the social side? I know that's really your expertise, your specialty, and also paid advertising. Any other you know, tips, tricks, things that, that you would recommend for, for advisors other than what we've already discussed so far? Yeah, definitely. So I want to preface this with C2P is on your Facebooks quite frequently. <laughs> so we're, we're always analyzing what you all are doing, even if you are an agency client or not. We just want to stay up to date with what's, what's happening in your world. So one thing I have noticed is a lack of consistency. So one thing I can recommend, at least try to maybe post once a day. Doesn't matter what time. Let's just try starting with the little steps. Make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to post once a day on my site. And it could be something as simple as an update, something new that happened in your firm this year, or let's say a new employee, or even just a picture of what's happening in the office. What's something that your clients would probably love is also maybe like a point, a POV, a point of view video. And it could be, it can only last a couple seconds. You can even put it on your stories if you wanted to just saying, Hey, this is what the office looks like today. You know, it's cloudy outside. It's cold, but we're having fun in here with warm smiles and happy faces. And that's it. You know, something very simple. Try to remain consistent because that consistency is key to showing up on other feeds. So just try once a day. That's my best advice for now. And then, you know, once you feel comfortable with that, try two times a day, one in the morning, one in the evening, and then go from there. Do you have a preferred platform? I mean, is it, is it Meta? Is it Flash Facebook? Is it is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Is it, what, what are you, you know, what, I know there's a lot of choice LinkedIn. There's, there's a bunch of different places you could post. Is the one that you feel is is probably the better place either to get started or or is going to create more engagement? I think the best place to get started for your engagement wise purpose for your engagement purposes is to start with Meta. So Meta goes hand in hand with Facebook and Instagram. If it feels a little daunting, just start with Facebook. What we've seen a lot is Facebook has become the new meeting ground. You don't really talk to your neighbors as much since the COVID days. You don't go across the street and talk to them. You see them more on Facebook. So. A lot of people are talking on Facebook, even though they live close to each other. If you are in their area, you want to be promoting in their area, stay prominent in the community. You know, if you donated something to the community, like let's say Toys for Tots, I saw someone do that recently Christmas time, make sure you're promoting that. It's a great thing to do. It's a great thing to give back, but it's also a way to give back to your own business and have others talk about that as well. When it comes to keeping an eye, let's say on your competitors or just trying to see what tactics they're taking, stay active on LinkedIn. Follow any firms that are in your area, even firms across the country if you want to, because everybody is doing something different. So that way 
you can maybe communicate with them if you want, see what they're doing and see how you can change up things, or you can just keep an eye on them and try to maybe copy some of the trends that they're keeping up with as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Erica. Dustin, any, any final comments from the compliance side of things? Any, anything else we didn't discuss that maybe just you know, something that, that you guys are seeing that, that might be worth addressing? Yeah, I think so. One kind of tip that I was going to kind of send is like, I so I used to do some social media stuff in my previous jobs too. And what was helpful for me was to kind of sit down and do it all all at once, you know, instead of trying to, hey, this morning, I'm going to come up with today's Facebook post. It never kind of worked out that way. It was helpful for me to, to sit down and do 10 Facebook posts at once and then and then put them on a calendar and try to figure out where they best fit. So that was and then the other thing, too, when it comes to compliance submissions, too, that kind of can be helpful, too, because then um, you're kind of getting your feedback all in one go instead of a million emails getting passed around and things like that. There's a better approach from your personal account or business page on Meta, or do you want to do a combination of both? When it comes from Meta, definitely post from the business page. But if your personal page is completely public, then you could post there and share onto the business page if you choose to. It does open the door for, you know, going into your personal page and maybe there's something that you may not want to share. So I wouldn't totally recommend it. I would recommend it on LinkedIn, though, from your personal LinkedIn instead of a business LinkedIn, and then you can tag the business definitely on there. Well, we are right near the end of our time today, but I look forward to seeing you next week, seeing you on Coffee Break next Thursday. Take care, everyone. Have a wonderful day and a great finish to your week. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was brought to you by C2P, an organization whose purpose is to educate, train, grow, and support holistic financial advisors so families can achieve true prosperity. Never miss an episode by subscribing now to discover new resources and strategies. Visit c2penterprises.com to learn how we can help scale and secure your business. At the time of delivery and any subsequent publishing, information was deemed reliable but is subject to change by the time of listening or viewing. The contents of this piece include the opinions and projections of C2P Enterprises, are subject to change, and are for informational purposes only. The information provided in this presentation is not intended to be individual investment, tax, or legal advice.